I've been preaching 25 years and I, good night, man. My, Brother Tim, I, I've gone home. Well, I went to the motel last night. I laid through the night thinking about what you preached. The burden that the Lord has put in my heart these last years, and anybody that's been around around us and with us, we our youth meeting and camp and things of that nature, is the next generation. Lord gave me this verse last year out of Psalm 71, 18. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I've showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. I want another generation to know that it still works and they can have it. Turn your Bible to Genesis 31. As Brother Falor preached last night, he, uh, man, and Brother Bo, good night. Praise the Lord for the book of Ruth. Uh, what a book. I'm glad I didn't have to wait to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to hear a story about the gospel. Amen. And I'm glad that if you can find it in the New Testament in word, you can find it in the Old Testament in a picture. Amen. And uh, several, several years ago, a couple years ago, I preached a while on the gospel according to. I preached on the gospel according to Boaz. And the gospel according to Noah, the gospel according to Joseph. When you read that last night, that there arose a generation who knew not Lord, it also said there arose a generation who knew not Joseph. Amen. And that is the day in which we're living in. We're living in a day where uh, this next generation don't want to know Joseph and they don't want to know the Lord. I thought about these these. Verses in the verses that Brother Falor preached last night. Each year I try to come up with and think about what we'll do at camp as a theme to sort of build our, our thoughts around. And man, he came and preached last night about that next generation. My thoughts this, this summer for camp, kids, you'll find it in a little bit, a little while, you'll find it out. But my thoughts are who's next? And then I'm going to spin off of that and say that the next needs a now. Who's next? I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But I found none. And Brother Falor, I, I thought as you preached last night about that generation that knew not the Lord... It's not, all, it's not all a problem about what's next. I think a reason we're having trouble with what's next is because of what's now. What's now? We, we have, I said it to Brother Bailey as he got done preaching. I appreciated what he said this morning about worship. Because we, we're seeing a lot of folks in our day, and I, 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 I'm not throwing stones, I'm just going to make some observations. There's a lot of young folks and there's a group going around the country that want to have the worship experience that we have. But they don't want the truth that we have. 
They want to feel God. They want to shout. They want to have a high service. But they don't want to live the life that's required to sustain that. And I was preaching the other day. I didn't call any names. But I, I said, we, we best be careful because whether they're coming out and preaching against what we're saying, in the minds of our young people that are in our churches, they are tearing down our message by what they're doing. Years ago, we wouldn't have had to worry about that because our local kids would not have seen that. But in the day of social media, they see that everything that goes on. Amen. And I'm not being, y'all know me, I'm as easy to get along with as anybody. But I'm just saying that's a real danger in our day. Amen, friend. And uh, if we don't get a hold of the now, there's not going to be a next. Amen. I think about Genesis, or Deuter, not Genesis 31, but Deuteronomy 31. I apologize. I'm just going to share a few things. We honestly, uh, man, brother Tim just preached to my heart last night. And man, as my, my love for the book of Ruth, I spent time in Judges because just like Brother Bo said, that's when those, that's an appendix to the book of Judges. And uh, that last verse in the book of Judges, that there was no king in Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Hey, neighbor, you might as well put that on the front page of the New York Times today because that is the description of the day in which we're living. And I'm not talking about out in the world, I'm talking about in the church. Don't matter what he says, I'm going to live the way I want to. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Genesis 31, look at verse number 20, 23. And he gave Joshua, talking about Moses, the son of Nun, a charge, and said, Be strong and of good courage. For thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. Look at Joshua and chapter number one. He said, you're going to be the one. I'm not going to get to do it. You're going to get to do it. And I wonder what some things are going to be in our life, Brother John, and our life, Brother Eric, and our life, Preacher. What's going to be in our life that we're not going to get to do, but we're going to get to charge this next generation. You're going to get to do it. That's right. Joshua 1 said, now after the death of Joshua, it came, or now, I'm in Judges 1, excuse me. I need to get back to Joshua 1. I'm telling you, the Lord put this in me while I've been sitting up there. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. I want to echo what he said last night about your man of God. You go back to 1 Kings 18 and study Elijah and Elisha. You look at 2 Kings 2, he first threw that, he first threw that uh, uh, mantle on Elisha while he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And Elisha went back, and I like the way Brother Scotty Burroughs put it in Arkansas the other day. He said, you can preach out that text on dead cows and burnt plows. 
A lot of us aren't serving God because we got some cows that are still mooing and some plows that are still plowing. Amen. The reason we can walk away from the things of God so easy is there's not a burnt spot anywhere where you've ever killed a cow and ever burnt a plow. But if you ever sell out lock, stock, and barrel, it's going to be hard to walk by that burnt spot and keep walking and turn your back on the things of God. I learned some things when I was banking. The reason they wanted earnest money, they wanted a down payment. For land, it was... 20% 20% down, cash money. You had, if you want to finance land, you came to me to borrow the money, you had to put 20% down. Wasn't that much for a house. You say, why? whole lot easier to walk off and leave land than it is to walk off and leave a home. Buy a car that gets back and forth to work, don't have to put anything down. Go buy a boat, and you're going to have to put something down. Why? Because you don't have to have that boat. You got to have that car. Huh? What we used to call it is they're going to have to have some skin in the deal. You're going to have to have some skin in the deal. Amen. Because listen to me, the bank's not in the real estate business. And the bank's not in the boat business. And the bank's not in the car business. And hey, they're borrowing you that money. Listen to me. I've watched them walk off time and time again and leave it because they didn't have anything invested in it. That's right. Amen. I'm getting back to the preacher part. He gets that mantle cast on him. He don't get the mantle mantle to stay until 2 Kings 2, 20 years later. The only statement in your King James Bible about the next 20 years in Elijah and Elijah is this. He poured water on the hands of the man of God. That's all it said, Brother Bailey, for 20 years. All it said was that he poured water on the hands of the men of God. Uh, but when the anointing and when the unction and the manna fell out of heaven, uh, a good neighbor, it did fall to the ones in the school of the prophets. Uh, but it fell in the lap of the one who had poured water on the hands of the men of God. I wish I could carry Brother Willard and Brother Edgar's wet suits again. I wish I could drive them to a meeting again. Amen. Amen. Moses is minister. You think you're wasting time. They first folks that came to talk to me about pastor of church back many years ago, Brother John. They came on Sunday night. Brother Willard let me preach. We went back to Brother Willard's office. And uh, they said, where, where'd you go to Bible college? And I was sitting in preacher's seat behind his desk. They were sitting out there and they asked me, said, where'd you go to Bible college? I said, sir, you're in my seat. I said, I went right there every Monday morning. Amen. Are you listening? I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But I found none. If these kids, almost at this point, I like the youngest being up here, but I would almost at this point switch the kids to the back and the adults to the front. Because I don't want to talk about next. I want to talk about now. If they're ever going to have a next, Brother Luke, some of us are going to have to step up so we can, they can have a now. 
That's what Brother Randy was testifying about last night when he stood here and squalled and said, I want to tell the man of God how much I love him and what he's done for me. He was thanking God for his now because if he had never had a now, you won't have to worry about a next. Amen. Amen. Turn your Bible to 1 Samuel 16. And may I say a word to us as adults. I, look, I, this iPad, I got 500 outlines in there. I was wanting to preach out of Jeremiah 31 today on finding grace in unexpected places. Said he found grace in the wilderness. That's not normally where you're looking for grace, but they found some. Amen. I ain't thought about preaching out of the Psalms. It is Wednesday. It is just after 3 o'clock when the Son of God, praise God, they took him off Calvary. And the psalmist said, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will be glad and rejoice. I don't believe that's just speaking of any day. I don't believe there's a word by the floor in that King James Bible that's just put there by accident. I believe there was a specific day in mind when he penned that day. I think he was speaking about Calvary Day when the Son of God was lifted above the earth and hung behind low heaven. So you and I, I want to preach on that, but that's not what I couldn't sit down in my heart. Amen, Brother Dorsey. You and I have a next because when we were 18-year-old preacher boys, we had a now. First time I saw Brother Dorsey, I went to the, they call it the top of the mountain camp meeting in L.A.J., Georgia. I walked in, I walked in with Brother Willard. We were a little bit wait, and they were singing, when I knelt, the blood fell. When I stepped in, Brother Scott Thomas and his family were singing that. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. When I stepped in the building, here come Brother Dorsey running past me. They were making laps already. You know what I like about it? Me and him back in our, back in our January meeting, we took a lap together ourselves. It wasn't just the young preacher boys running. It was us running, praise God. Hey, man, but we would not be a next if they hadn't had us a now. Everybody all right? First Samuel 16. I think about the next and the nows. I think about, I think about Elijah and Elisha. I think about Moses and Joshua. I think about Samuel and David. Here's one we don't really think about when we preach like that. I think about Jesus and the disciples. I think about Paul and I think about Timothy. The next, it's always a next, a next. But before there were the next, there was a now. You boys right here from Faith Baptist Stanton, right? Stand up. There's next. Right there's now. Genesis 26, 18 said, and Isaac digged again in the wells that were digged in the days of Abraham, his father. God, help us, preacher. God, help us, youth director. God, help us, mom and dad, uh, to dig some wells in their lives. Uh, so when you and I are long gone, uh, yes, the Philistines may dam them up. Yes, they may pollute them. Uh, but thank God they can go back to some wells that were dug in their heart and march on for the glory of God. I'm afraid in our day we ain't digging much in their life. Don't be seated. You say, what's wrong with now? 
Look at verse chapter 16 and verse 1. And the Lord said to Samuel, now Samuel, Samuel had influence with God. Samuel prayed and saw fault and Israel won. It said about Samuel, brother John, that not one word of his mouth fell to the ground. I don't know that I could say that about me. I know I couldn't. Brother John, that's what it said about Samuel. Samuel not only had influence with God, Samuel had influence with man. He had so much influence with Saul when Samuel was dead. He went to the witch of Endor to try to talk to him again. And in one place, there nobody could lay a charge at Samuel's feet. But notice what the Lord said. He said, the Lord said to Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill thine horn and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. I want you to notice what it said. Fill thine horn with all. There is an implied condition in that verse. If he had to go fill his horn, that meant his horn was not full. I don't know how empty it was. I don't know if it was half empty. I don't know if it was three quarters empty. I don't know if it was completely empty. But the problem was he was missing something. He had a mourning problem. Look in verse 1. A mourning problem. Hey, hey, pastors, look up here. Evangelists, look at me. What are we mourning about that we need to get over? And if we don't quit mourning, we're going to affect the next because we can't get over our mourning. How long will you mourn Saul? He loved Saul. I mean, man, he loved him. That was the king. And he prayed. And God worked great miracles of victory. Uh, But now Saul, he had been rejected. And now, listen, Samuel was mourning over him. Hey, fellas, if you stay in the ministry long, somebody's going to mistreat you. Somebody's going to talk about you. Somebody's going to, Brother Floor said it, the ones that you love the most are going to hurt you. Amen. I, the old preacher, I, the, when I took our church, Brother Tim, the first Sunday, he pastored all up in our area. My, he was, I mean, almost walked on water. Uh, uh, that's what folks thought about him in our, 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 uh, our uh, part of the country. And uh, he patted me on the back, whispered in my ear. He said, son, you better be careful. He said, the ones that are giving you hundreds a day will be sticking a knife in your back in a year. Everybody's not like that. Matter of fact, most of them aren't like that. But we'll let one. My sister, back some years ago, I don't talk about this much. But about three years into our, my 16 years at the church, man, it got on. And I'm not talking about revival. And man, y'all pray for me. I still got all that competitiveness spirit in me and I, I, I never have much want run from a fight. Y'all pray for me. 
And I, I still, that blood still get up in me. And man, after all those people were gone, except one or two, Brother John, every once in a while, I'd get locked in on them. And old Brother Nathan would come by and say, Preacher, don't forget to feed them sheep while you're trying to dehorn them goats. He wasn't being a smart aleck. He wasn't bowing up on me. He was just saying, hey, preacher, he was my Jonathan. He loved me and I loved him. And he could say that. He wasn't being critical. He was saying, hey, preacher, yeah, there's one or two. But look at all these others that want to eat. What are we mourning as leaders in our church? If we don't get over it, we're going to sacrifice the next generation over our broken heart. And you know all that sounds good. They say they look better going. They do coming. If you think that you really didn't pastor them the way you should, Amen. I mean, I know God prunes them, but dear Lord, and some of them leave, and I think, man, they need to go. But I wonder, did they get saved? Are they still going to hell? And then I look and say, did I do everything I could while they were here? Amen. Amen. I know that we we hear those statements and. Hey, boys, don't repeat everything you hear out of a pulpit. Hey, evangelist. And I get to do that too. Amen. Brother John, I've drove six and eight hours. And the offer not paid my fuel bill. And you evangelists are sitting there and say, yeah, but you got a salary at the church. You're exactly right. And thank God for it. I thank the Lord for the goodness of God. Hey, but preacher, evangelist, that church deck there didn't do you wrong, didn't do you good, but this one you're going to may treat you like a king. But if you're still mourning about what went on last week, you may sacrifice what's going on this week. If Samuel had a morning problem, don't you think every once in a while we're going to have a morning problem? God didn't give you two boys, but he's given you two son-in-laws. They need a now, preacher. Hey, man, you got those boys, that whole row of boys. They need a now. JP needs a now. Riley Carter needs a now. Your boy needs a now. Your girls need a now. If we don't get over our morning problem, we're going to sacrifice the next generation. Go preach at places, Brother Bailey. Pastor's in a new church with a family that loves him and he can't get over the one that mistreated him. There is a bomb in Gilead. Are you listening? And I'm not trying to act like it don't hurt because I promise you I've laid in during those times and it got so bad I laid in my, I laid across my desk. Brother Goosby, I laid across my desk the night they came to vote me out and I thought I was going to literally die. In fact, I laid across my desk and said these words out loud, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to die. But through that, God sent revival. We didn't have a two-week meeting or a three-week meeting. We had a nine-year meeting. Are you listening? I'm talking about a, a mourning problem. But then there was a, he not only had a mourning problem, but there was a missing portion. 
His horn wasn't it. His horn wasn't full. How many of us that are in the now would be honest enough to say, my horn's not full? Mm. I'm talking about there rose another generation who knew not the Lord. Could it be, Brother Bailey, because the ones ahead of them were operating with a horn that was not full of oil? Man, I believe I'm saying what I'm saying in the perfect will of God. I mean, all you youngers that stood up a minute ago, stand up. You're, you're 20 and down, stand up. Man, I remember when I used to get to stand up in that crowd. What a blessing. Man, look at that. This is a camp meeting on a Wednesday afternoon in March, and look. You know what that ought to make us want to do? It ought to make us want to take care of the now so the Lord will take care of the next. Every preacher in America ought to have a deacon that can exhort like Brother Laddie. Hey, boys, if God does not call you to preach, you are not a second-class Christian. Young ladies, if you don't marry a preacher, you are not a second-class Christian. Hey, there's going to be some men of God along the way that are going to need a brother laddie. And then listen, we'll put up, prop up the hands of the man of God and can pray and exhort and serve the Lord until you may be the next one. That's the next, Brother Valor. And I don't ever want you to look at me and say, if your horn would have been full, I would have made it. You can be seated. A lot of reasons you could, your horn could be empty. I won't, I won't say that, but I want to say this. What happens when your horn gets full? Look at your Bible. Look at verse 2. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he'll kill me. First time, talking about Samuel, that he's scared. First time in Samuel's life, the Bible talks about him being scared. Why? Horn wasn't empty. His horn wasn't full. That's why the Lord said, he told him in verse 2, or he told him, he said, fill that horn and go. Go down there. You know what he said, dude? Take a heifer with you. Take a lamb down there. Uh. Hey, he was in fear of he was going to die from the king's wrath. I know a, I know a whole nother bride that was going to die because of the king's wrath. But there was a lamb that you took, put on an offering and sacrificed that king. Hey, what I'm saying is, when you get your horn filled, it'll calm your fears. He got full, went on down there. Here's the kicker to me. When your horn gets full, it'll change the future. You say, what do you mean? Because it was that horn, Samuel's horn, that had anointed David. Are you listening? It was that horn that was empty that had 
anointed David. And I wonder when it got time to anoint David as the king, I wonder if his horn would have been empty if the next generation would have got filled. Our horn is going to affect the next generation. It changed the future. I, don't, I ain't done this in a long time. I need a volunteer that don't mind messing, or I, here, I'll just do it. Come here, brother, brother Gravely. I ain't done this in a long time. Years ago, I was preaching out of, preached a lot out of Genesis 26 and preached a lot of the whales, and I'd use this illustration. Somebody comes down front now, we'll, we'll practice James chapter 5 and anoint them. And what we'll do is we'll take that little olive oil and we'll, we'll put it up. I'll announce you the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Well, that's all well and good, but that's not biblical anointing. That, that, that's why we're in trouble today because we're, we're trying to do this right here. It's, we acting like it's like Brill cream. A little dab will do you. <laughs> Amen. Oh, I mean, you see, you see these men of God preach like that. And you say, I want that. But all you want to do is a little dab. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. But Aaron said that when they anointed him, it ran down his beard. Show him what a biblical anointing would do. It's all right. Just don't pour it on the microphone. This is what a biblical anointing was like. It wasn't no just a little bit on the head. It wasn't just a little touch here or touch there. No, when the horn was full, he poured it till it ran over his head and down his beard and onto his hands. Wouldn't God, some of us, would have enough oil in our horns when these young men and young ladies say, would you lay your hands and pray for me? Oh, when we pray, some of the oil that God has burnt into us would run out on them, amen. Come here, son. You get it, I like it. I about, I about let him pour another on me. I feel pretty good about it, praise Amen. God. Amen. You know what happens when you get real good and full? That next generation. <laughs> That's the way I want it, Brother John. I wanted to say, come to the pulpit. I want it surreal on me that it splashes out a little bit and gets all of good to God. Or that some of us would get our horn filled so we can change the future through the next generation. Amen. There arose a generation. I want a generation to know what that feels like. Thank you, son. Don't worry, you'll dry off. <laughs> Just praise God it wasn't a 20-ounce bottle. 
Amen. I'd been, oh, that's all right. I'd let you pour a gallon on me. That horn changes the future. That oil changes. It calms our fears. But you know what's in the next chapter? Old big daddy Goliath. Is waiting on David. Down in the valley, it says, Ephes Damon, that is the border of blood. What about that? Uh, a shepherd went down in the valley. Mm, the border of blood. Went down in the valley. And you know Goliath's a picture of the devil. Went down in the valley. And when he came out of the valley, he had the head of the giant in his hand. Mm. It all goes back to that. It all goes back to that horn of oil. The reason I'm afraid that our next is going to suffer is because our now is operating on a half-empty horn of oil. Thank God for Brother Edgar, Brother Baloo. You were close friends with Preacher. He was God's man. I don't even know if you know this, Brother Baloo, but three generations of our family got saved under Brother Edgar. He passed a little country church, Brother Bailey, up in the country from Gainesville, about 20 minutes out of Gainesville. And that's where my grandfather and my mama got saved in that one year. And then, some years later, Brother Edgar left there, went back to Gainesville, started Faith Baptist Church. Ten years later, my mom and dad got, my mom and dad got married, moved to Gainesville. And guess whose church they went to? Five years later, I was born. Fourteen, thirteen years later, I was born again. Three generations, my grandfather, my mother, and my sister and I. Because in a cotton mill village, that old cripple-handed man of God got a horn full, praise God. It wasn't half full, it wasn't three quarters full. And if you ever heard him preach, you knew when he mounted the pulpit, honey, it was full, thank God. And for God, listen, you talk about the Lord's step. He's talking about honoring your man of God. My daddy, you remember those royal imperial floor shine shoes? Years ago, that's all the preachers wore. And my daddy told preacher, he said, you don't worry about your shoes. He said, as long as you'll wear them, I'll buy you a new pair every year. They made cheap shoes. What about that? My daddy honored the preacher. And then God gave my daddy his own preacher. And Brother Laddie, I remember the day when my daddy said, I put the shoes on Brother Edgar. And as long as you wear them, I'll put the shoes on you. What I'm saying, it can change the future. It'll calm your fears and it'll conquer your foes. I wonder what giants 
would be slain if the now would do what they could to take care of the next. Joshua had to have Moses. David needed Samuel. Timothy needed Paul. Would to God some of us would get the shovel out and dig away for another generation. Hey men, we need to get over our mourning problems. I know it hurts. When you love somebody, you empower them to hurt you. And that hurts. But we're gonna have to march on. Who's next? Who's next? They some of you young ones ought to come out here and say, I want to be next. John, we couldn't have dreamed it this good. Hey, I was satisfied carrying the coat, taking the wet clothes and putting them in a bag, carrying his Bible. I couldn't have dreamed it this good. Some of you youngers ought to come down here and just tell the Lord, I want to be next. And some of us adults ought to say, God, forgive me, help me to be the now that I need to be so they'll be the next that they can be. We're standing. Brother Chris, play, sing, however y'all got it, which I'm sorry I